1: AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today.
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser, Tommy's, in the week that saw Rangers invade Liverpool, maybe not. And sort of look forward to playing against Arsenal, who seem to be doing quite well at the moment. And maybe see us sort of thinking back a little bit to how we played against Brighton, and doing all of this soaking work through in, in this occasion. On this occasion, is Jay Reed, and I believe, um, yeah. If it was if there was a game of footy today, it wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be the best day for one, would it?
2: It's slide tackles only. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the rule of the day, but yeah, it's not a not a pleasant day in Liverpool in terms of the weather. But we go into the weekend on the back of a win, Um, you know. Given where we were probably four or five days ago prior to Rangers, a lot of you know the mood has sort of shifted in a more positive direction. And I think we recorded last weekend. We said like you know these four games um, coming up are pretty big. Double headed against Rangers, uh, Arsenal, and City. Uh, we've overstepped the first little hurdle. Um, you know, the, the bigger test is to come um, away from home and then Man City. So, hopefully, um, things are starting to go in the right direction. And if that is due to the change of formation, if that's due to other things, we'll get into the uh, meat and veg of it. But hopefully, now we we you know not another false dawn like Bournemouth
0: hoping for yeah i think um i said on raw the other day that i think dave was quite disappointed that we'd not um obliterated Rangers because the way the way we played and the way they played it you know if you sort of look at that and you'd seen that game and you'd assume this was a liverpool of a year ago you'd expect it to be big scores by the end of the game because they just liverpool at that time was so ruthless and so so ruthless going forward and in defence that it could have been a hammer in but I think I said actually that in some ways I'm glad it was only 2-0 because you wouldn't want us to kind of when we when we won that game by 9-0 it was as if we thought ah we sorted it now everything's fixed and just assumed it would all just work next game and it obviously doesn't work that way and I mean the formation I don't know if it was a surprise or not I think it's good to see it I think from my point of view I've always said that one of the things I'll praise Jürgen Klopp for is that he gets things wrong, everyone does, but he recognises it and he fixes it. You know, he tries something else and he fixes it and eventually gets it all working again. And he, and he teaches his players to do that. And that's kind of gone through the whole club, but it just felt like it, it was a long time coming this season that, that, you know, that something was broken, but they either could not accept it was broken or didn't know how to fix it. It, I don't know. Did you do you think that we could have moved to this sooner? Have been people been calling for this, or is it just just one of those things, something to try and it worked out well?
1: Um,
2: I think it depends how you look at the, the game, really, how you view football, um, and whether you view it, you know, just as a game of football, or you know, tactically or statistically. Um, because I think we've sort of shifted. Set up in terms of on on paper it looks like a four three three, but quite clearly the right side of midfielder is not playing right side of a midfield three as we know it. He's playing a lot more advanced, and yeah. you know people could say maybe we were in the four two three one on by design. Maybe I don't know um, because we were playing. You know that that midfielder was a lot more advanced, and we did leave the the two in midfield and. You know, sort of leaving the back door wide open um, has cost us a lot. And maybe it was just, you know, instruction rather than actual, you know, full on change. As, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out. If you look at Jordan Henderson, who's played right side midfield and then played in the midfield too on Tuesday night, his heat map showed he was a lot more structured and diligent and stayed in position as to where he would have been had he. You know the nominal 4 as it was and mm. when we did sort of change it up with with the substitutions and it looked maybe like it was a 4 um, 3 it could have just been personnel reasons but we did look a lot more open and a lot more loose um, in possession you know but it, it comes down to you know diligence and being instructed in what you're told to do and you know I'm not picking on Henderson here, I'm picking on the whole midfield, whoever's been in there this season it's been far too open um, so if it's a case that you know the, the two lads who are in, in the centre of the park are nailed down to a position and I think I, I mentioned last night on the, on Twitter that you know it's sort of like having a dog lead on, on someone and making sure that they don't go too far they can only yeah. go a certain distance from, from you um, it just keeps it tight and I think you know there the was moments in the game where naturally I think given the whole hyperbole about Trent and his, his position of defending and stuff and whatever he he did rein himself in a little bit but he still got forward and you know the, the goal was magnificent and that relieved a lot of pressure I think but I think naturally we were just a little bit more settled and structured of shape rather than um, being a bit free-flowing and you know that could not necessarily be a bad thing I think we said before getting back to basics might just be what we needed to do to then build again, you know, sort the foundations out, and then the house will build itself.
0: I've spoken in the past to coaches involved with Liverpool, you know, in, in sort of involved in Liverpool for years, you know, involved behind the scenes in at different levels and that at different times, and I think a question I've sometimes asked them is, you know, do you do you pick your tactics and then pick the players for it, or do you, you know, and then or do you pick? Do you look at the players you've got? and play tactics that suit the players. And I think the answer usually that comes back is that you want to try and get the players that work with the tactics you want to play. But sometimes you've got to look at it and think, that player is not going to be any good in that position. There isn't anyone good enough to do that role. And if we try that, it's not going to work. And you've got to accept that for the time being, you've got to do things in a different way. And I'm just wondering i wonder how much that's played a part that there's been a bit of an acceptance now that this is the midfield we've got until players come back from injury or until another transfer window gives us an option to go out and buy. This is the midfield we've got. These are the players we have. The form they're in, the confidence they've got, whatever else, we've got to work with that. And we've said before, I don't want to go at Henderson, but Henderson isn't as young as he was. And maybe that does take away some of that freedom that maybe he's had before that, you know, keeping him as you say restrained just keeps him in control and I wonder how much that has played a part that maybe there's a bit of an acceptance that whatever happens in the transfer window you can cry and moan and and whinge about whose fault it is and how many billion pound players you wanted to buy but once that window's shut that's what you're stuck with and it feels like now we've kind of accepted this is what we've got. And as players come back and as confidence increases, maybe we can use the other tactics more. But I don't know. I get the feeling we're gonna we're gonna use these these new tactics more often than not for the time being, at
2: least. Yeah, I think I would like to see us stick to it. Um, I know there's games coming up, and it may it may mean that personnel, but maybe not be as as attacking. Um, as what we've seen on on Tuesday night, but you know you take the the opposition opposition into account and Rangers aren't very good. Arsenal, a decent Man City, a different level. Um, so you know over the next three games, if we do keep with this tactic, obviously the rotation will come into play because it's a busy period, and that's natural. But I think you will you see the old cliche of horses for courses, and there will be personnel to fit maybe the opposition more than, you know, the tactic itself. If if it's something new that we're working on, um, then, you know, you, you've got to give it time. Uh, I think it was Dave who mentioned on, on the Raw pod that naturally Jota in behind uh, Nunes didn't seamlessly work too well. There was moments of good in the game, but there was moments of, you know, not necessarily bad but where you want more of a technical player such as you know a Firmino or maybe in time a Carvalho in there who, who naturally plays in that withdrawn position um, but you know we, the option we have got is we've got plenty of attackers and we've got um, the facility to use them in different ways so you know if we go into Sunday with this I would hope it's, it's enough and you know it wouldn't be a bad thing to go down and knock Arsenal down a peg or two because everyone seems to be, you know, bigging them up as some sort of title challenges. But we're, what, eight, nine games in, I think they've had one or two decent opposition games and they dropped points against United of all them. So, you <laughs> know, th- this is the acid test for them. Um, and then we will see where we are as well because, as I've said, it's a, it's a big week in terms of fixtures.
0: Yeah, and it's a massive game against Arsenal because... I don't know what it is. They've generally been good games and they've not always gone with the sort of form for the rest of the season anyway. It's often been a sort of truth telling game, if you like. I can remember probably it was probably Kenny's last season as manager last time, you know, about the season, if you like, that he, um, there was a game at home against Arsenal and we lost 2 0. And I think that was really the end of our hopes of getting what we wanted out of the league i think it was more of a champions league from what i can remember now such a long time ago and i can remember everyone leaving before the end and, and that that's the kind of game you don't want against arsenal where you just you know you just you just let them write the script. we we can write the script for this game we we can be in charge we can make it go the way we want it to go we can give them a shock we can remind them who we are and i'm hoping this is the kind of stuff that's going on in the dressing room and i think one big difference between this weekend's game and last weekend's game is that I don't care how much you tell players that they should respect everyone they play and all the rest of it. There's there's a big difference between how you're going to feel before an Arsenal game and before a Brighton game. It shouldn't be that way. You should respect everyone, especially the way Brighton are playing now. But it doesn't happen. And it even happens in the crowd sometimes. I don't know if you find this. Sometimes you play a game against a lower-down-the-table type of team and the crowd aren't as up for it as they are against a higher up the table t- kind of team. And, and that to me reflects that that bounces into the team, into the players. You, the, the players have less than, um, I don't know. It just, it, everyone's at 80% or 90%. And all of a sudden you might have a problem. And this, this is one of my frustrations with how Liverpool have played. I'm not blaming the fans, but we all have our part to play when we're in that ground, but it's not been at a hundred percent and. We can all we, we always seem to find in the last few seasons, however, we've been playing generally, we generally find 100% against the bigger teams. Even if we don't end up winning, it's not through want of trying. And I just think that's why we're maybe, in, you know, hopefully that's going to be what we see on Sunday and that'll get us through. But really, we need to start showing it against the Brightons of this world because if we don't, we're never going to win anything.
2: Yeah. And the atmosphere is a, you know, a long debated topic. Um, what I will say is, Tuesday night it was mm. a lot better. Um, I think you know, group games in the Champions League can sort of be here and there. I think you know, if anyone's being truthfully honest, the European nights in the knockout stages are where the true, you know, Anfield atmosphere is at. Um, but mm. I think going into the game, the the talk from from Rangers themselves, you know, would they. They were bringing 20,000. I didn't think they did. I think they brought about six or seven.
0: Um, did you see the picture going around on Twitter and saying this was the Rangers fans in Liverpool City Centre earlier? And it was actually a picture of Manchester, picture of yeah. Piccadilly Gardens.
2: Well, I didn't, I didn't know it was Manchester because I'm not yeah. familiar with the city centre you no. are more than I, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah they, you know, it was made a big deal of and, you know, for all the drums and, 80s nostalgia that they still live in. They, they very much sort of, you know, faded into the past. Um, I had to laugh at the fact that, you know, the the, the entrance to their team with, with the ultras banner with red flares when you're at Anfield was a classy move considering <laughs> they play in blue. Um, and then I heard them once in the whole game after they put the blue carrier bag flags down that they were waving. um I only had them once. Literally, I've seen European teams of much smaller calibre come to Anfield and make a hell of a lot more rackets. Anzi and they don't even exist anymore. I think they existed for about 20 years. They came once and they made a lot more noise yeah. and they would have made-up club in, in Russia for a few years. Yeah, um, And also, you know, don't
0: most fans, when they come to Liverpool for a European game, and I feel we're mostly the same way when we go to someone else's city for a European game, they kind of they get welcomed, they take part, they enjoy and in this great culture. I mean, I've been... I've been stood on Anfield Road with as the as the coaches been coming in with fans from, like, say, Borussia Dortmund or whatever, and everyone's getting on great. You're with your own mates, you're with your own little groups of fans from your own club, but there's no sort of animosity whatsoever. Um, you know, it's like two sets of giants or or whatever, two you know, two European clubs, respectfully getting ready to to fight on the pitch, and that's all. But yeah, there's I don't know what it is with Rangers; they just don't seem to be in that world and. I don't know whether it's because they got the blue shirts and that that they just remind me of another club, but it's it's less than full of class, isn't it?
2: There's a, there's a lot of similarities between them and other clubs in blue shirts, normally <laughs> the one across Stanley Park, the one that play in Stamford Bridge, the one mm. that play in the Den in London. You know, yeah, they, they all seem to have the same sort of mentality of fan culture, if that's what they want to call it. Um, but yeah, for wholeheartedly agree that you know they they live in a little weird, you know, mentality zone. And, you know, th- there were some comedy moments from the from the cop, um, some good songs, you know, of, of banter, um, which I'm sure rattled a few cages down there. And, and you know, where to stick to your family, um, you know. Oh, I said, they they, you can stick, when your they try to <laughs> stick your national anthem. Stick your national from there as well um members of the royal family and their, their you know their history and stuff like we wouldn't let them forget if they want to be royalists then you know we'll let them know the truth about royalism um, and what actually is the truth and what's going on um but you know coming coming to our field and singing the, the english national anthem is just laughable like if, if if that's the sort of thing that you come with like we we often stand there and we, we make and say like you know it's championship or lower league behaviour because you go through the whole repertoire of songs like you nicked our car stereo, where's your famous atmosphere? Or the the <laughs> the you know, the, the lower league bingo chants. And, you know, truth of form, they did. They pulled them all out for what you could hear. Um, and, and you know, they labelled themselves as bears, more than teddy bears, more than um, grizzly bears. But if, if they're going to create some sort of atmosphere next week at Ibrox, I don't think... It'll actually phase our lads because you know they, they seem to thrive. I think in in not necessarily hostile atmospheres because we have seen ourselves crumbling in places like Red Star Belgrade, but that that's really scary. That's that's not going to Scotland and being loud. Um, I, I do think sometimes the crowd sort of edges us on, and you look at the South American lads in the team, and you know we can get into their performances tonight but i think they they thrive in in loud passionate atmospheres because it's the type of people and the coaches they come from that yeah they they want it to be you know vibrant and lively because it sort of pumps their adrenaline up and you know makes them play an extra 5% so i'm not too worried about going there next week i think the emphasis has got to be on the first goal um you said yourself on raw that it was nice to see that we didn't concede the first goal and we kept mm-hmm. a clean sheet. If we go there and we get the first goal and maybe get a second, like we did, you know, in, in the game this week, I think we we we'll probably silence them to a to an extent and you know that puts them out the competition effectively then and all being well Napoli do the business, it effectively puts us one foot into the next round, which after the first game in Napoli... You will not be complaining from anyone that if we've got nine points after four games.
0: No, that's true. And I mean, this is, this is why, again, I mean, that I was thinking about what you said then about how knockouts are so different to group stages in the Champions League. And it's not just because you're one step nearer the final by the time you're playing knockouts or whatever, it's because. There's so much hinging on it. When Liverpool were making history in Europe back in the olden days, when it wasn't called the Champions League, but you had to be champions of of the league or, or Europe to be in it, all the games were knockouts and all the games were exciting. So even if it was like an early round before Christmas, it was still a knockout. And if you were there for the second leg, it was all or nothing. You knew there and then whether you were going through or not you know you could or, or, based on what the scoreline was that you knew what you needed to get through whereas nowadays it's kind of like have you got your calculator handy let me just see and how did we score against them and what's the rules if this happens and you know and even if you're watching these games on tv they start showing you all the permutations and i'm sick of the as it stands league tables you always get on champions league coverage to try to tell you what's going on but it, it's like do we keep needing to see that but you know it is different isn't it and when we get when we get to the stage where where we're playing knockouts, I think the atmosphere boosts a level. But at least I think I think definitely if you come out of the two Rangers games with six points, you've really given yourself a massive chance of going through. You know, two games left, one of them against a the team you've already beaten. You know, it it's it's massive. So next week, I think I think it'll be good. But before that, of course, got lots of other things to do, like play at Arsenal. Um, we didn't do so well last weekend in the league, and. It was depressing to watch, and I didn't really bother watching it back, to be honest, because I was just so fed up with it. And I think what really finalised my feet I mean, I wasn't even when we were 3 2 up, I was thinking, well, look here, you know, I wasn't really, really ready to celebrate anything. And I thought, we've, we've just got to watch ourselves. We've not got to think we've got the job done. And it's as if we did. And that third goal, I mean, forget what happened in the rest of the game, that third goal was embarrassing.
2: Yeah, I, you know what? I, I didn't watch much match today because it was so frustrated mm. um, going to the game and seeing like we were, we were played off the park in, in, in all respects to Brighton the, they played us off the park the the football they played it was like they had 12 men and we had 10 yeah. at times um, so, so fair, fair play and credit to them and I, I think you said earlier on like the clock does to get it wrong at times and then you know we will find ways to fix it but I think he got quite a lot wrong last weekend, from from team selection to substitutes, um, to just you know the way the way we approached the game. Like, I thought it was a bit of a poor excuse to come out and say like we didn't know what Brighton were going to bring. Like, you prepare your team obviously to face an opposition, but you'd also prepare the team to to go out and do the best that they can, and you know put a team to bed regardless. Um, and especially at home, you shouldn't be going going into a game fearing what Brighton might bring or anything like that. We we, we certainly should be going there and putting our mark on the game, so yeah, um, that that was a bit bit disappointing and I, I didn't think at any moment in the game we were safe, as you said, when we went 3-2 up. I thought we need a 4 for fifty because these are cutting through us like a knife through butter. It, it was frightening at times and, you know, if, if only Brighton had an actual proper centre forward, not Danny Welbeck up there, there could have been a that lot sure. more. So credit credit to them, but I, I would like to think you know we've seen this too many times. If the fans are noticing what is wrong on a regular basis, surely club and the coaching team have have seen enough, and they can't be blind to what's actually going on. Put loyalties aside if that's what the, the case is. We we really need to to sort it out and. As you say, going into Arsenal is a bit of a, a bigger test. But I've just seen a stat that the last six games we played against them, Arsenal haven't scored against us. So if we can make really? it seven, that would be good. I know that it goes across various competitions, but you know, six games against them, they've not scored against us, and I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Diogo Jota probably bagged in five or six of them games because mm. he seems to have some sort of hex over them.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, it's the, the, the most, the most obvious thing to say in football is that if, if they don't score, they can't win, you know? And so, um, the old Michael Owen quote. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to sort of bring his name into it because it's I feel sorry for him sometimes, you know? But, um, I don't really. It, it's just, it's just that that's the key. I mean, you, you, as you said, I mentioned the other night about not conceding. I think. In normal times, if you said to me what would I rather have—a four-three win or a one-nil win—I'd I'd have a four-three every time because you think how exciting would that game be. But at the moment, I think we need one 0s and two-nils if we can, because we just need it. You know, we need to keep them to nil. We need to do that as much as possible. We need to stop chasing games because if if we don't do that, it'll feel like we're going back to the days of Brendan Rodgers. Now I can't remember if I even said that on Raw the other night, but it's something that's been crossing my mind for the last few weeks that. We had some exciting times under Rogers, but then you think about it, we didn't have many, like a lot of our wins were, were like close, you know, we'd conceded, but we'd scored and we'd, you know, we'd always scored more than them. And that's what has got us close to the title. But it's in a way, it's what, what lost us the title because we, we we were sloppy at the back and that's not going to happen. But. That little bit of um, news we've had from Klopp today suggests, um, and what we saw the other night on the bench as well. So it suggests that we're maybe, maybe, maybe getting to a point now where there's actually some competition in the back four, which I think we, we alluded to this last time as well. Footballers are competitive beasts. They need to know that, you know, they've got to, you know, they need to know they've got to fight for things and fighting to keep your place, fighting to get back into the team is so important. And I think that is going to make a big difference now because. You know, we've missed our strongest back four this season, even when the so-called strength, the members of the strongest back four have played, they haven't played the best. But as a unit, I think we're brilliant. And the only the only question is going to be is who gets the place alongside Virgil?
2: Yeah, and as good as Joe Mazzup's been in in time for us, I can't honestly say he's been overly great this year. No. Um Neither is Virgil to that extent and, you know, there's a a theory going out there that he's just sort of getting himself through games at about 80% because he wants to make the World Cup and, Mm. you know, (laughs) you can understand that on a personal level because he's captain of his nation and it may well be an opportunity that he might never get again because the Dutch have not qualified for previous World Cups. But he could um, also
0: be saying that because he wants to get himself through the season. You know, he needs to do that.
1: Very
2: now. true, so. very true, given the season runs till, you know, potentially the end of May slash June. Um, but I think, you know, again, it, it, it all comes down to, to the, the old get get your basics in, in order. And there was a moment the other night and it's happened a few times this season for me, which is, is a bit concerning that a player will run at Matip, and just seem to glide past them with mm. no attempt at a challenge and it, it again it, it's one of them sayings that if you've played football on any level you know you go and you take the man and the ball and you just don't let them pass at any cost or you know you jockey them your whole you position and quite a lot of players have just drifted by matter as if he's not there and mm. You know, Gomez seen a lot of flack for that in earlier games in this season. And I don't want to say, you know, one person's getting special treatment than the other, but Ibu Kanate is on the verge of a you know a first team appearance and he was on the bench the other night. I wouldn't be surprised if we see him over the next couple of weeks because he offers something that you don't get with Massup in terms of physicality and speed. you'd obviously get a lot more on ball ability with Joel and his Amazing dribbles upfield, but even this season, I think we've only seen a couple of them. And you know, it, it's it's healthy competition to have. And if, if we can get Kanate featured in the next couple of weeks, maybe you then see, you know, the pressure's taken off Matip and his performances when he is back in taken uptick because you know it, it will help everyone, I think. Klopp said today Robertson's very close I wouldn't be surprised if he's dropped in against Rangers because if there's one game in his career he wants to play I would imagine it's a way at Ibrox being a Liverpool player and a Celtic fan mm-hmm. um, but Costas as well has, has performed very well I thought you know an able deputy and if we can get young uh, Calvin Ramsey fit on the right hand side and, yeah. and give some competition to Trent I think that again will also help so Stability obviously it is good, but healthy competition is also what I have in, in terms of keeping players on the toes and increasing performance levels. Because if your shirt is not guaranteed, you know, it will obviously raise your performance level, or naturally it should do anyway.
0: Yeah, and I think that the other side to it as well is that, you know, for years and years and years now, we've seen it where a young player gets a chance because of an injury or because of rotation or just maybe 20 minutes at the end of a game, wherever, and, and they impress. And that's what I think. You know, if you're if you're a young player on that bench or just nearly to break, ready to break into that squad, you want to take that chance with both hands, and you want to give the manager a really nice problem to have. And I think you know that's something I'm hoping for. And and from Trent's point of view, even if it's not competition, if it's someone that we can put in there that can do a, a decent job and make us not really feel like we're missing the Trent Alexander Island at his best, you know, if we're missing a player but we've still got someone good in there instead, that it means when we do use Trent, we'll hopefully get the best out of him. You know, we don't want to overuse players because it's easy to forget how young Trent is. You know, and we laughed about Michael Owen before, and we just laughed about him because of one of his sayings, but one of the reasons I think his his career, his career could have been so much better had he not got all the injuries he got when he was younger. And a lot of a lot of people at the time said a lot of that was down to him playing so much football so young, you know, and that must still have an impact that's got to be in people's minds and although Trent's not had many injuries so far touchwood you don't want him to get one and the more chance you've got of that is if you play too many games so we need we need that that ability and maybe that's it with Matip as well I think ideally I think Matic showed us such a good side to himself last season that we didn't need to use Kanate as much as maybe we were expecting we could bring him in slowly but I do think the overall plan was that Kanate and Van Dijk would be together and Matic maybe as a and, 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 and Gomez as backups when we need them and when we need to swap players in and out. So, I mean, that could happen on midweek next week because we've two massive league games either side. Um, it'd be interesting to see how Clock takes that. But, you know, it's to me, all three games are important. There's no, no way you can pick one over the other. We've got to win all three if we can. We've got to not, you know, we've got to try and win at least two of the three, you know, well, we've got to try and win them all, but really you're hoping for at least two or three wins, I'd say.
2: Yeah, I think it's a must not lose situation across those three games. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, for the reasons we we spoke, Champions League um, first of all. So, you know, given what Napoli are performing in the group, there on nine points, if they should probably beat Ajax at home, they'll be on twelve and leave Ajax on three. If we can get the job done in Rangers, you know, it leaves us with a six point buffer on them and only a point required from the last two games to get through but should the situation happen where we draw in um, at Ibrox then we are on seven points and hopefully then a four point buffer over Ajax will then give us you know, a, again a point required away at Ajax will see us through Yeah. Um, but given the league situation and it's weird, weird enough to say looking over our shoulder there seems to be a team in blue who've climbed up the table and <laughs> don't know how but but have got there, um and the level on points with us, but you know, the the goal difference is zero. <laughs> um, so you know that nine that 0 win against Brighton and giving us a positive goal difference of nine is actually doing us a favour at the moment. Yeah. Um but you know, it, we're, we're seven games in because we're obviously with a with a game behind a few teams, but just looking at the, the bigger picture with with eleven points behind Arsenal, with ten behind City. If you can make sure you know, that that gap doesn't get any bigger across the two games that you play against them, ideally you, rec- you recoup some points on them and close the gap naturally, um, that would be a, a positive. But going to the Emirates and then home to City, I think if you offered it now, given the, what we've seen this season, would you take two draws from them games? You would probably realistically shake your hand and say, yeah, go on, we'll take that where mm. we are right now it's not good enough, it's not what we expect, it's not what we require, but where we are currently and what we've seen, I think, realistically, it wouldn't be a bad outcome. And then if you said you take a win from Rangers but two draws in the league, it's it puts you in a competition after Christmas where you want to be in the Champions League. You don't want to be knocking around the Europa League because if anyone did bother to see what, what teams were listed in, in that competition last night, it, it felt like you, know, you were looking at the back of it and ingredients of a package, some of the teams' names that were there. Um, <laughs> but you don't want to be in the Europa League. It's it's just it's just not a competition that we would wholeheartedly respect to the teams in it. It's not where we should be. No. So I, I think it's a must not lose across these three. Any wins more than welcome. Um but yeah that that's the way I see it right now given where we are it's not ideal but We've just got to accept the reality of of the situation.
0: Yeah, I mean the Europa League. If you if you're sort of a, a club that's not played in Europe before or not played in Europe for a while, it's it's a stepping stone to the big one, isn't it? But for any Champions League club that finds themselves playing in it, you you're being humiliated. You're on the naughty step. Um, don't get me wrong. If you're in it, you'll do everything you can to win it. But you just don't want to find yourselves in there. And I think where we found it a few years ago was okay we were playing in it it was at least we were in Europe after not even managing that for a while but it would feel so alien now to see that you know it's it's just not it's just not right it's not us is it you're right and we've got to fight to keep in there and that's another reason though why we've got to be careful in the league because you know there's not although you know eventually UEFA want to allow about 40 teams from from the Premier League into Europe even though there's not 40 teams in it um it's it, you know, you, you've got to finish top four as far as I know, unless they've changed that again. And we've got to, we've got to fight to do that at the very, very least. And, and I think I'd love us to win both the games. Like you say, we can't afford to lose any more. Draws put you on a, at least put the brakes on how much of the gaps going away from you. And that game that we've, that we're short of, of course, is against Chelsea. So that's another one that, that we need to get something from. And I think looking at the table after me slagging it off, I think there was, um I did see a sort of live table at some point during the game the other day uh, against Brighton and we were not that far off the top if we win and then of course we draw and it sends us down so as demoralizing as it's been so far this season we are only just in the part of the season where league tables really make any sense you know there's still early days yet so we've got a lot a lot to look forward to I just wanted to quickly touch on something that I mean, back in 1989, before we can go back to Arsenal in a minute, because one thing Arsenal fans like to always talk about is 1989. When Arsenal fans talk about it, 1989, they mean something different to us. So we'll come to that in a minute. But from our point of view, 1989 is also, is obviously the year of the Hillsborough disaster when 97 people died because of what people who weren't doing the jobs properly caused. It, it's, it's, it's been well documented eventually. The truth's out there eventually and now people who did wrong because it wasn't just people on the day it was people afterwards so much went wrong and so little justice has been done for it but i just wanted to sort of point out that the home office has had to apologize to the Hillsborough victims relatives because a review into the failings of the pathology um you know the the pathology reports and all the rest of it that went on at the time there were so many failings in it there's a review started on that now no one bothered to tell any of the families of the victims that this was starting they found out through the media, and I can't help but think—and call me cynical if you want—but I've got every reason to be. I can't help but think that the Home Office thought, right, let's kick it off now, put a press release out. There's that much crap going on in the world. There's horrible stuff happening, you know, in 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 Asia. There's 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 horrible stuff happening with with. The, with Ukraine, with Russia, what they're doing. And we've got a government that's so incompetent, they're taking up a hell of a lot of the news space, making changing their minds on things that they've done wrong and hoping we don't notice the other things they've done wrong. And it felt like, yeah, we'll put a little note out saying that we started this review and hopefully it won't make the news. Well, it did make the news, and that's how the families found out about it. And, I mean, as this country, I mean, this is part of the reason we, we boo the National Anthem, because the government and the country, that that establishment, that machine, doesn't give a damn about people like us. It just doesn't. We're in the way. We're absolutely in the way. And if we weren't in the way, they'd have shown some respect and told the families about this. So I'm, I'm fuming about that. Am I right? I don't know.
2: No, rightly so. Um, the, the The family of the, the Hillsborough um, sufferers. Well, um, I've never ever been. Left in peace, um, and I don't think they ever will do. Sadly, because as you said, that the establishments that are in place in this country don't seem to want to do the right thing for for the, the common people, um, only for themselves or for those around them who they deem in privileged positions, um, and they don't want to do the right thing, which is you know put the people who were who were rightfully I, I blame for for what went on. To write really, um, and I would not be surprised if when these people who who done wrong at a time pass away, that all mm. of a sudden, you know, the blame will be then pointed in the direction. Much in the case of you know, like you know, TV personalities who had checkered histories during the seventies and eighties. And yeah. once they've passed away, you know that the finger of blame is rightfully put in their direction because you know there's nobody to answer for it. Yeah. Um, and call me cynical about that, but I just think that is what's going to happen when the, the people at South Yorkshire Police are no longer around. Um you know, only then will will the family sort of get a genuine answer, that, which we've all known for years and years. Um, we just actually want the truth to be out there, mm. and you know, it again. It's a lot of Hillsborough angst also stems down to a media publication, which we don't speak of. But the fact that the families once again have been heard and found out something via the media just again just shows how shambolic this country actually is in terms of how it's run and the media manipulation of of what goes on. Um, They've got far too much power and they've got far too much. Right to say things and influence people, and sadly, there seems to be a lot of people who who take their word at face value. Um, or well, your heart goes out to these people because they shouldn't be going through this. You know, it's thirty three years on now. Um, you know, it. it I've only been around. I'm I'm thirty five. I don't remember Hillsborough but as an actual desire being mm. physically able to see what happened, but. Brought up in a city and brought up around people who got very strong personal links to Hillsborough, you're more than educated in what went on, um, and you know it, it makes me angry just to see that it keeps getting pulled back up, and it's opening up a wound within these families that should really be healed and and left to rest, but it never will. Um, I, I don't really know what much more to say on this um, because it's, uh, in a sad way it's not a surprise that it, that something is happening in the background and the people affected aren't being told about it because it's just the shambles that this country is at the moment and yeah those who were who were small-minded enough to think oh, why, why are Liverpool fans booing the national anthem they're disrespectful to the Queen or the King or the Royal Family or whatever no it's not We're not necessarily a royalist club and, you know, the the team we played on Tuesday are and they were rightfully booed out the park when they did start singing it, but it's not about that. As you say, it's more about the way we're treated by the nation, by the state, by the government, by the the authorities. That's what it's all about because people who hold them up in high regard, you know, the the antithesis of British and think that all holy Britain, you know, the British Empire still rules Britannia and all all this bollocks and crap. Hmm. Well, it doesn't. The reality is we're in the 20th, 21st century and some people still live in the 20th or 19th century. And Yeah, it it, it gets to you because, you know, you think, oh, are we the odd ones out that we live in this city and we just see things for what they are and, and, and the reality of it, but I don't think we are. I think we're just open-minded, and, and we have our eyes and ears open to all things that go on. And we don't take no crap. We don't listen to to what's being fed to us. We just see things for what they really are. And, yeah, you know, you can you can see through the through the smears because that's what it is. It's it's media smears once again.
0: That's the thing I think about the thing about Liverpool is like we've and we've joked about it, but you, yeah, there's no messing. If you look, if you've got a bad haircut, you'll get told. If you've got some dodgy. Dodge something, touch on your feet. You'll get laughed at. You'll get told. You'll get put in your place. People tell you straight what they think and, you know, they don't hide it and they don't always do it in a bad way. They do it, you know, in a well-meaning way. And it's, it's all a good laugh and all the rest of it. But that's the thing. People will, will tell you straight what they think about something. And, you know, they'll be honest with you. And that's, that, that's what's been so against what we're used to the way that we've been treated is that there's not been a, a drop of honesty and a drop of integrity and a drop of wanting to do the right thing. Um, the, the two sort of mayors of, of the Northwest, if you like, Steve Rotherham, who's, who's Liverpool city regions and Andy Burnham, who's the Everton supporting mayor of Greater Manchester has said, while justice has never been served for those who lost loved ones in that tragedy, we'll not stand by and allow the establishment to conduct investigations without any recourse to the feelings of family members. And it's that thing, it's feelings and, and it's not just 97 people died because people were, bad at the jobs and didn't care about football fans then. Countless more suffered as a result, people who were survivors and their families. And what's happening here is it's just been dragged on and on and on. And there's just not one bit of sort of genuine compassion. Because you can say sorry all you want, but it's about time that they showed they were sorry. Really, really is time they showed they were sorry. And I'll tell you now, they're not. they're not going to be allowed to let it lie. This will keep going if we have to. And I just want to spur a thought for everyone who's been affected by this because... I know how hard it is for people and, you know, just as you think you can start getting on with your life, stuff like this happens. So I hope I hope I it does come to an end sooner or later and you can start to move on. And we'll move on now just to um, change the mood slightly because 1989, I did mention it, was when Pillsbury happened, we were sort of behind on our league games and the decision was made, we'd play games and we had that amazing cup final, which you won't remember against Everton, of course, but you'll know all about. But the bit we don't talk about much is... Arsenal played Liverpool and it was now the last game of the season. This was unusual at the time because usually last game of the season was three o'clock Saturday and it wasn't live on TV. It was just, it was just on match of the day or wherever later. But because of what had happened, it ended up being a, a, a nighttime game at Anfield and all Liverpool had to do was not lose by two or more goals. <laughs> And it just felt like we've got it sorted. And I don't know what it was, but Liverpool just went into the game like we'd already got it sorted. We didn't need to do anything. And although it feels hard to kind of criticise the team too much because of what was going on around it, it still guts me to this day that they did that to us. And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. that The reason I mention it really is, it's just that it's come to my mind that that night and the way I've felt ever since that we went out playing for a draw and assume that would be enough because you play for a draw and even if you end up losing by the odd goal you're still going to win what you want and obviously that didn't happen could you imagine Liverpool playing for a draw this Sunday could you cope with that could you cope with them doing that against Man City as much as you say a point would be good how would you feel if we were sort of 1-1 with 10 minutes to go and we started shutting up shop at the back and not looking to score
2: uh i suppose it it takes the context of the game doesn't it mm. you you could probably you can't give an honest truthful answer until the situation presents itself because you know if if the situation was we were we were 1-0 down and we, you know we we've clawed ourselves back into the game got a 1-1 mm. and you're hanging on for the last 10 minutes then you think well you know a draw's a great result but if you if you flipped a shoe on the other foot and much similar to the, the Brighton situation at the weekend where you, you, you take a lead and then, you know, a team fights the way back and the momentum is more in their favour and, and you end up hanging on for a draw. It, it ends up feeling like a defeat in some regards. So, you know, I, I don't know. It, it obviously It's a situation dependent, but I think, as you say, given that game in 1989, I think we, we did sort of set our stall out from all accounts, to to just take a draw from the game and it come off the FA Cup final, it was taught that like players were still on the piss because that's what they used to do back mm. in them days. Because you know footballers were human; they weren't robots. I've um, heard
0: I've heard stories from ex-players about the kind of drinking they did back then. I'm not sure it always actually makes public. Uh, it's not for public consumption. It's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> Surprised yeah, they're still
0: alive, to be honest. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's just. You know, it, it, football was different back then. Some people will say that was real football. Some people will argue. Otherwise, it just depends on, again, how you view the game, which is what I said earlier on. But I, I, I don't think... I, I'm in the situation where if a draw was presented to me now, I would take it. But of I know going into that game that, you know, we've got a better start in eleven than Arsenal every day of the week, like... And twice on Sundays, like... You put our strongest eleven up there, we beat them. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a close contest because yes, they've got good players, yes, they've got young, talented up and coming, but they've done nothing in the game. Like the only one genuine like winner they've got in their team is Gabriel Jesus and he's only won things because he was at City when they were winning things. It's a bit like saying, you know, John O'Shea was a winner at Man United because he was a <laughs> squad player in a team that won loads of trophies. It doesn't really mean Yes, he contributed in part and scored some goals, but Man City would have won them things regardless, whether mm-hmm. he had Gabby Jesus or not. Um, so we've got we've got genuine world class players who are best in class or top three in that position. We've got people who've won the Premier League and Champions League and everything else that goes with it in the football um, game in England. You know, we should have more than enough that the managers alone are chasms apart in terms of what they are in the game. So I would always think going into to playing them that we'll always have enough. And quite honestly when you when you think back, the Emirates games can sort of be a little bit of nip and tuck, but just I remember a lot of games over the recent times where we've played Arsenal and we've we've just put them to bed yeah. because they they think they think there's something that they're not. Um, I'd be much more Concerned if it was City this weekend and not Arsenal, but I think if, if we're being you know overly optimistic here, if we if we go into this game of the weekend, and we come away with three points, we come away with a win at, at Ibrox, then you can whole wholeheartedly say that going into that City game, the mood will be ramped up, the positivity levels will be through the roof, regardless of what they're doing, regardless of yeah. the robot that you have got up top we will be in a different mindset and i really really would like to see that happen. um obviously it's cliche but we are just going to have to take each game as it comes.
0: Yeah, we are definitely and i think you know we can do that as well by looking at each game we've played in the past as well this season and one that jumps out at me is the charity shield or the community shield sorry to give it its modern name. We we played them off the part well and truly in that game. You know, it was it was it was it was like it was a bit of a false start in terms of what it said about the season but we were just head and shoulders above them and I don't give a I don't believe anyone who says they weren't that bothered they weren't that up for it because they were up for it they were as up for it as they would be for any other game um you know we were sort of all it was all of our first competitive game of the season for both sides we were both as ready as each other if you like both as up for it as each other but we just we just basically bossed them and that's what's been so sad since But again, as I mentioned early on, we do seem to be able to really raise our games against the the so-called bigger teams. So if we can play like we did in the Community Shield, we've got that one as well, haven't we?
2: Yeah, I think there was a lot of fans who who went to that game and a lot of people who watched it and said, like, you're absolutely built us up to knock us down. (laughs) Um, Because going going after that game and going into the season, we thought, well, you know, this is it league's ours, like, mm. you know, Harland isn't always meant to be, um, you know, Nunes is going to go in and outscore the lad and, you know, how wrong were we at the time? Um, but, you know, si- situations change and, you know, it, a season's a long time and as we've said, we're, we're seven slash eight games in, um, you know, it's it's not even a quarter of the way through the season and it, it's a long old weird season. And I think we we've referenced it before. We've we've just got to get to the World Cup break, as it is, which is I think around about five six weeks away from now. Um, within touch and distance of of those at the top, um, because I think we all know history shows, especially under Jurgen Klopp, we are much stronger in the second half of the season. We've we've normally put runs together across multiple years of you know nine ten wins on a spin and. We've clawed points back. We did it last year, um, and I would be not wouldn't be surprised if if we did go and maybe strengthen slightly in January, albeit if the player is available who we want. Um, but I think we we've just got to get get to the World Cup points point with within you know grasp of of those at the top because you know we're not going to be you know, level pegging with Man City or Arsenal by the World Cup break, because I think there's only half a dozen games to play and we we aren't going to claw that many points back. But if we can take some and we can have ourselves in the position of, you know, four, fifth going into the World Cup break, because whether you're international football interests or not, you've got a long time to sit and look at the table and if you're fifth or sixth, it's a lot better looking than, you know, being tenth and the team next to you is Everton.
1: Hmm.
0: Yeah, my
2: God, that's not a
0: nice thing to think
2: about, is it? They no, mean, it's 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 not a nice look.
0: We can cope with them and next to us, like with a park in between us. But you know, that's 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 not not enough. And they're going to be even further away. So, you know, obviously, if that like, New Stadium does get finished, and it's, as you said last time, it's it's getting close. I just wonder, like, like you said that the same as well. Like we shall like it set us up for a season that we didn't that we didn't expect, and it was like we've got the league now, and it's been that sort of attitude. I is how I feel Liverpool have had this season, and. You know, it'll just come. You don't need to work for it. We do need to work for it. So I just wonder. I reckon it's about time we put because anyone who remembers the old Liverpool boot room stories, and then if you talk to any of the players from that era, like Jim Beglin, for example, he'll he I did an interview with him a couple of times for Anfield Index, and um, and he'll he'll tell you all about Ronnie Moran and the way he was. That you know. Any praise you got from him was very quickly followed up with, right, anyway, that's over and done with now, on to the next game. You know, you could have your medals from last season, meant nothing in the new season. So I just wonder if maybe it's time we just got a run him around poster on the dressing room door or something. So one of the last things they see before they leave that dressing room is an angry run him around just to remind them <laughs> what they, what jobs they've got to do. Um It's, it, you know, and, and that's maybe that's that's what we need. We just need to be remembering that, You know, all of us, if we're at the game or if we're on the pitch, you know, we've got to fight like mad. So we've talked quite a bit now about what's, what's happened and what's coming up. Would you say that at this point in the season that, I mean, I think we're pretty much done now. I think we, we, we've, we've we've done our, our losses. Am I right? Am I wrong? I feel like, you know, we can, we can definitely come back from this, but I don't know. I'm just always like the optimistic person. I don't know if that's the right way to be or not, because then you can set yourself up for a fall, but I think you've got to be optimistic, got to be confident, but just never assume the job's done.
2: Yeah, I think we we spoke last week and we, we did sort of, we overlooked the Brighton game and maybe that's what the team did, because, mm. you know, you probably put a big red circle around these four games um, that we've, you know, we've, we've had one free coming up and, you know, no disrespect to, to Brighton and then the teams who we will play afterwards. I think we've got West Ham and um the likes of Southampton and maybe Leeds up on the horizon as well before we, we do have a little um interruption for international football. But maybe the team has sort of just taken their eye off the ball one too many times and, you know, circled on their calendars at home is Man City is you know, for Andy Robertson, it's it's Ibrox, it's Rangers away. For for Diogo Jota, it's Arsenal again. Mm. Um, for the for the matter of the fact that I said earlier on he scored in his last five appearances against Arsenal. So if he can make that six and six, that would be lovely. Um you know, players are human as much as we say the robots, like they they just want certain fixtures as much as we do. And yeah. If if we can we can come through the next week, in, in a positive regard no losses you know a draw or two wouldn't be the end of the world given the situation but I tell you what if we come out of this this next 10 games 10 games 10 days sorry in 3 games um, with 3 wins on the spin make, make it forward obviously with what happened on Tuesday night there'll be a whole different feeling around the club and that's not just for the fan base that's for you know the lads in and around the, the first team the squad the the, you know, the training facility, the coaches, the youth set up. Like, wins against rivals mean a lot. And, yeah. you know, Man City are only rivals because of what they've spent and where they are in the game at, the, at this current time. But, mm. you know, Jordan to Everton felt like a loss. Jordan to Brighton felt like a loss because we were at home. Yeah. But, you know, these are moments in the year where, you know, you, you can't win and lose the title necessarily because you know there's points to play for but you can certainly put a stamp down and you know taking it back to the community shield we put a stamp down then and the ink ran off the paper very quickly we need to now re-stamp that with permanent ink and make make sure we are putting a marker down for for the rest of the league and you know prove that we are not going through a transition that we aren't necessarily struggling that we are the force to be reckoned with.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot now can you think what your favourite moment or memory is it, of an Arsenal game, home or away?
2: Uh, <laughs> I've got two. Yeah. And only the, the sort of relatively recent. Um, one was when we played Arsenal. The Well, actually, both when we played Arsenal at home. and um, One was in the league and Firmino dancing through and there was four of them on the ground. Oh yeah. They were playing in like the teal sort of shirts. And I think we beat them four or five one. Um oh sorry, I'm gonna make three points. <laughs> but the volley, the, the Suarez volley that would have been one of the greatest goals ever when we absolutely demolished them. Oh. Um when Skate got two in about ten minutes and then that corner come in and he he volleyed it from about 30 yards out and rattled the poster. Oh. Probably shook Bruce Grobelaar's piss all over the place, <laughs> um, and then finally it was a Champions League night, and I think we beat them. I don't know if it was five four on aggregate or five four in the night. It was and a goal was vo- line, wasn't it? Yeah, there was a volley from Torres, and like he nearly took the brief of the the net off at the top end. He sort of spanned in behind and rifled one into the top corner, and literally nearly ripped the back of the net off. Um, if we can get Darwin Nunes doing, doing that, it'd be lovely. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what
0: that's what we're missing, isn't it? I mean, we when Torres was at his peak and we all loved him. That that they were special days in themselves. I mean that that mad advert with if mean, we'd all started to learn Spanish in Liverpool and stuff, which wasn't far away from the truth. In all honesty, we did love him that much at the time. But um, I can't remember what the, the advert was for. It was that good. Was it Nike? Long time. Yeah, it was Nike, and yeah. it
2: had the uh, the Torres song sort of humming yeah. in the background. But yeah. You know, Darwin did a nice sort of give me. We said it when he signed; he had like Torres sort of traits mm. to him. But that shoot on sight sort of thing, and I know you said on Broad again. I've plugged this about four times because I was <laughs> listening to the podcast last night. Um, you know, Everton seemed to be down the keeper's throat or within like a yard of the keeper, and he he got his hands or his feet to everything. But mm. it was just a. I'm not messing around here I'm in the box and the ball's going at goal, and it's going with power and you know you you said yourself sometimes a bit more you know collectiveness and calmness and those sorts of shots are taken a little bit more precisely and going to the corners but the fact that this lad is just getting the ball and he's just rifling at a goal that's what sprung into my mind with that Torres goal as as you referenced the uh, memories of Arsenal he he doesn't waste any time and it would be a a good, good time to get off the mark um, this weekend, because although he's got one or two for us, it just still sort of feels like he's waiting for that big moment.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I mean, this, this is it, and this is this is the thing, this, these are the games that dreams can be made from. I think if I was going to think two quick memories of Arsenal for me then, I think um, when we beat him in the FA Cup at Cardiff, because it was just something about those games at Cardiff was a bit different, you know. and Michael Owen. And of course, Michael Owen and Robbie Fowler, and we couldn't get them all on the pitch at the same time. And what we were spoiled for strikers at the time. Um, it was a mad and, and the fume from Arsenal and, and lots of other people because of, um, Stefan Handshow, because of that, um, handball. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't given. So we played on. In fact, I don't even know if it, it probably would be handball now, but it probably wasn't then. But who cares? We won. And then the other one, I think one of my favorite memories isn't even about the game itself. It was just, um, when Arsene Wenger lost his rag with Kenny and Kenny just told him to piss <laughs> off. It was just one of my favorite moments of all time in football. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause you don't really hear Kenny swear, although, you know, not in public, but that was, um, that was a special moment. And let's hope there's another one on Sunday. Um, and another one next week against Rangers. And so that by the time we next come back to you, we've got loads of good things to talk about, but at least for this week, we've definitely had some positives. We're definitely on the right, going in the right direction. Um, the draw against Brighton could have had better the win against Rangers we could ask for more but who cares, three points and now three more of these big four games left and lots to play for and hopefully hopefully, hopefully, hopefully things are turning around but for now thanks for listening and we will see you soon.
1: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically.